Show with your host, Craig Allen. If you're tired of seeing the media cater to from the far right or the far left, if you're sick of talking points from the extremes, if you would rather hear about ways America could get along, then you're listening to your new favorite guide from the political void, also known as the middle of America politics. Let's join our host for an entertaining look at politics. Here's Craig Allen. Merry Christmas, one and all across this great land we call America. We are so thankful you have joined us for this podcast today. We are excited for this upcoming holiday season, as I hope you all are. And for our Jewish listeners, we hope you are enjoying Hanukkah. We are praying for your safety and thankful that you are with us today. We have such a wonderful holiday edition of the show today, so please stay with us as we discuss snow and wintry weather and how it affects elections in our poli-sci for the normal guy portion of the program. We will highlight the ebb and the flow that affects the weather and who wins or who loses just by what happens with a little bit of snow or rain in the south. Unfortunately, down here in Texas, we don't get a lot of the white stuff. Additionally, we will look at whether to discuss politics at the dinner table during the holidays or what to do if you find yourself in a political discussion you can't get out of in Birds of a Feather Stick Together feature. And we, of course, will highlight a great American hero, one related to the Christmas season and one who gave birth to one of the world's most funny and respected cartoon characters in probably the history of all cartoon characters in our greatest American heroes feature. And we highlight an inspired uniter, not divider. Now, this one this week is not your typical one, but a guy who perhaps doesn't usually take sides and is one who tries to be a great inspiration for all. And finally, some fun with some corny political Christmas jokes in one inspiring quote or a political joke. And we profile a great Christmas movie and a movie that protects us from political correctness. And this movie stars Will Ferrell. So get set as you get ready for this holiday season while we educate and entertain you a little. I am Craig Allen. This is Lefty Lucy Righty Tidy, a Texan caught in the middle. And this is our Christmas holiday show. And we thank you for joining us. educate you a little as we turn to one of our regular features our poli sci for the normal guy portion as we discuss elections and the weather how does snow or maybe perhaps a cold rain for most of us texans which is what we get during winter weather and we had it just a few days ago (laughs) whether this makes someone win or lose and believe it or not it can weather affects something that we political scientists refer to as turnout or simply the number of people who turn out on election day. But this word turnout is anything but simple. Sometimes turnout is affected by many different things. Sometimes it's affected by the news. The news can say, for example, a war is over and that affects turnout, usually positively. It can also say someone has had an affair or committed a crime or is innocent of something and that affects turnout. But the biggest factor on turnout usually is the weather. And voting on election day, which is usually stressful anyway, 
and it's usually difficult to get there and you usually have to fight through traffic and take off from your job or leave early or get to a certain place or go down to this or do that or whatever. You know it's your last day to vote because if you didn't vote early, this is it if you're gonna vote. And there's traffic. You have to figure out your way to get there. You have to take off from college if you're a college student or whatever. And so all of this adds in and if you add the weather on top of this, wow. This could affect whether or not you vote at all. And usually doesn't affect everyone everywhere nationwide because usually there's not bad weather all over the place. Now, occasionally there's a Arctic outbreak, which will pull down from the north and affect almost the entire country. But that's really rare in the early part of November when most elections take place. There could be a big nor'easter on the east coast or there could be a big west coast storm that comes down through, but there could be a blizzard over the northern half of the country or something like that, but that's unusual again for early November as that's when most elections take place. The weather though is usually wintry by this point in a lot of places. You can have even a bad cold rain or even some ice in the south in parts of it at least. So you could have cold rain, ice or snow, and a study was done by three universities that all worked together, and they figured out that rain reduces voter turnout by 1% per inch. So if you have a three inch rain, then that reduces voter turnout by 3%. What's big deal about 3% of the vote? Well, in tight elections, that's huge. And then snow reduces voter turnout by about a half percent per inch. So you have a 10 inch snow, that's 5% of the vote. That could literally make someone lose in a landslide. Generally, Republicans fight through the weather to vote more than Democrats, believe it or not. And there is science to back this up. Sorry. Therefore, bad weather generally helps Republicans. <laughs> in the two closest presidential elections in the last 100 years, and they were Bush-Gore in 2000 and Nixon and Kennedy in 1960, the weather affected both of the elections. And there have been studies that have proven both. In the 2000 election, bad weather helped swing the ridiculously tight state of Florida to George W. Bush. He won it by a few hundred votes. In 1967, tight states swung to Kennedy. Kennedy won all of these states because they had good weather. Sorry! If in any one of these seven states there had been a little bit of bad weather, it would have swung to Nixon. The study showed, but it didn't. And Kennedy won by less than 1% of the vote in all seven of these states. Kennedy won by 84 electoral votes or just less than 100,000 total popular votes. Really tight election. This advantage to Republicans on election day is why Democrats have generally pushed early voting. This varies in different states. Republicans have started doing this more. However, there is still a good chunk of people, especially Republicans, who vote on election day. Then there is a weird Dartmouth study that was done in 2017. And it showed that out of an average adults, 1% who would have voted for a Democrat on a good, beautiful, sunny day changes their vote and votes Republican on bad weather days. It has something to do with psychology and risky behavior. This then only increases <laughs> the advantage to Republicans if weather is bad. Perhaps then Republicans pray for bad weather on election day. Please. The answer is not always this easy though. With challengers in election, they need a large voter turnout to up in an entrenched incumbent. Warmer weather leads to an energized challenge for those to go out and vote and vote increases overall turnout. Biden may have won in 2020 because of this, as Trump's overall vote had increased over 2016. But there was a lot of good weather in a lot of places, and that may have helped Biden's vote. Crazy! But if temps are mild, voters are more relaxed and may not feel the need to really help the challenger, thus decreasing their motivation to go out and vote. Therefore, bad weather really does decrease overall turnout and helps incumbents. If a Republican is therefore the challenger, this may be a situation where Republicans really want 
turn out and don't want bad weather. In any case, when you get snow, when you get rain, when you get ice that come early, instead of waiting for Santa, waiting for Christmas, the elections get thrown into chaos and it can change the election. We can get a Kennedy instead of a Nixon. Wow, what a difference. Bang, bang, boom! <laughs> In some cases, the weather could be a blessing or a curse. And if you have seen Al Gore dancing when he got the nomination in 2000, perhaps it was a terrible rain dance. And maybe that's what caused the rain in Florida. <laughs> it certainly didn't help him any. In fact, it caused him to lose. And maybe it was the reason why he lost. But in any case, it was terrible to watch. And we don't need any more of that, for sure. But this is what you need to know. When you see it raining or snowing or sleeting outside and it's election day, know that that's going to cause something to change. If it's in your state and your state happens to be tight, to a state where they are fighting it out, then you know that this could be a difference maker in the election coming up. Well, coming up next in this holiday edition of our show, we profile a great American hero who served during World War II, but who really made his mark making us all laugh and think and made an iconic TV show that makes the holidays even more merry. Stay with us to find out who I'm going to discuss. And we wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays, and we will be back shortly. Christmas, at least from a political standpoint, we have an unusual ex-president running again for president. We have a sitting president's son under criminal investigation. 
We have a war in the Middle East, which is not necessarily new, but many people here in the United States are not on the side of Israel, which is new because they have been our ally since 1948. And we have the looming threat of a widening conflict there that could affect the world. And we have the Russians trying to cause problems and escalate war in Western Europe. And Putin is the heart of that. And there's a lot of stress spreading around the world from the wars that are happening or the rumors of war that could happen. And let's talk about coming out of those problems. So let's get away from all that. Let's try to de-stress a little bit because there's stress everywhere. And let's talk about a great American hero who was always able during his lifetime to take us away from whatever stress we felt, whether it be the Korean War, the Vietnam War, whether it be the Clinton scandals or any other thing that happened during the last 70 years. He did this for America as he would put his comics in the newspaper and his holiday TV specials always delighted everyone and put everyone in the holiday mood, especially children, and especially during Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and uh, Flag Day, (laughs) among other many holidays that he covered. He covered them all. And of course, I am talking about the great American hero, Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz was born on November 26, 1922, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Growing up, he was given the nickname of Sparky, and he loved to read comic strips in newspapers, especially Popeye and Mickey Mouse, two of his favorites. In 1937, his drawing of a family dog was published in Ripley's Believe It or Not, and that began the story. He began studying cartooning in correspondence school after graduating from high school in 1940. But a momentous thing happened in his life. He was pulled into the army by World War II. And another thing happened in his life that greatly affected him. His mother died of cervical cancer. And as he was boarding the train to go into the war, his mother died just a few days prior. She was weighing heavily on his mind, and I think this affected him for the rest of his life. And he was in the war from 1943 to 1945, and he served as a staff sergeant with the 20th Armored Division. He was a squad leader with the 50 caliber machine gun team. He really only saw combat at the end of the war, and he said he only had one chance to fire his machine gun, but he forgot to load it. And the man he was about to kill then willingly surrendered to him, and he was thankful for that. He did receive fire, though, and faced it bravely, and for that he received the Combat Infantry Badge. After the war, he started out as an art instructor for a while, working for the Art Instruction School, Inc. In 1945, he lived with his father after returning for the war, and he began to sell weekly comic strips to the Saturday Evening Post, among other popular magazines. A strip there, a strip here, a few little strips in a few Sunday magazines. The first strips had children in them who had a little more maturity than your average child and had discourse that were markedly similar to his popular Peanuts cartoons. Newspaper editors after the war promoted a minimalist model of comic strip. They were pushing their cartoonists to make smaller comic strips, minimize pen strokes, and really make their humor fit an audience that had matured during the war. We're now a little more worldly, a little more educated. They wanted a wittier humor (laughs) with a finesse that fit the moment of the day. And Schultz was an intellectual. His humor was built on knocking his characters and kind of putting them down, but were drawn for the entire family. We're very family friendly and also had a dry biting charm. And October the 2nd, 1950, was the day the first Peanuts comic strip appeared in seven newspapers nationwide. At that time, he had no idea just how widespread it would become and what an influence on the world those four little panels 
would have. As the Peanuts comic strips began to tell the stories of the characters over the many years to come, you began to find out why Charlie Brown seemed to always have so many problems, why he was so down on himself, and why he was so stuck on the little redheaded girl, why Linus was almost glued to that security blanket and yet seemed to be the most philosophically brilliant guy in this gang of kids, why Lucy was always smart, tough, and ready to go in any situation, especially ready to make money off of any situation. Why Peppermint Patty was stuck on Charlie Brown. Yes. But yet good at sports. Next up the band. And uh, not so good at studying and learning about things. And was glad she had a helper to get her by. And why Sally could cry and get her way. <laughs> and why Schroeder just had to play Beethoven. And absolutely nothing else. <laughs> and why Snoopy? Well, he originally was just a dog. But during the 1960s, he began to walk on two legs more and began to be more of a humanized character in his comic strips. The little comic strip went on to work for Schultz. He only took one vacation from doing this comic strip his entire life. (gasps) The little comic strip began to turn into TV specials, full-length feature movies, and eventually a book for Charles Schultz in 1980. It was even adapted to the stage. You could find Charlie Brown almost everywhere when I was a kid, and I loved the TV specials. It didn't even really feel like the holidays if Charlie Brown wasn't on TV. And Charlie Brown represented the everyman of the comic strip, of really, of the cartoons in general. He represented the problems of the everyday child. He spread sympathy for children and love for children everywhere. Yes! He helped the adult sort of understand the child of the day. When Charles Schultz announced his retirement due to several small strokes he had had in December of 1999, the Penix comic strip was syndicated in over 2,600 newspapers worldwide, spread to 75 countries. It was distributed in 21 different languages, and it went on to be put into book collections, translated into over 25 languages worldwide. He has received the highest cartoonist awards that can be given. He has received Emmy awards for his TV animated specials. He has been recognized and lauded by many different US and foreign governments. He even had a NASA spacecraft named after his Peanuts characters. He was honored as Grand Marshal of the Rose Parade. He has inspired a concert performance at Connery Hall. And still today, Even right now, the Peanuts gang continues to entertain and inspire the young and the young at heart. In fact, he is the third highest grossing deceased celebrity in the world with his characters still spreading love and cheer throughout the world even today. His humor for Peanuts comics has been described as observational, wry, sarcastic, nostalgic, bittersweet, silly, melancholy, with occasional flights of fancy. But for me, he was all of that and more and only I would add the word brilliant. For me, I grew up reading his comic strips, watching his TV shows every holiday. And as I said, it didn't feel like Christmas until I saw the Charlie Brown TV special. On February the 13th, 2000, newspapers carried the last original comic strip made by Charles Schultz. He had done it for 50 years at that point. On that day, Charles Schultz passed away due to colon cancer. He was 78 years old. He had made people laugh a lot, cry a little, think a little more, and love a whole lot more than that. He was a legend in his industry, but someone who was greatly needed during a time of great turmoil. His comics and his shows carrying us through the tumultuous 60s and 70s into the 80s and finally the crazy 90s. He was a legend in his own time. One interesting note, on the very same day, near the very same hour that he died, 
Legendary Dallas Cowboys football coach Tom Landry also died. They were both about the same age, and they had both served in the military in World War II. One of the best tributes I read in the newspapers that day about both said that they helped America get through dark days in their own ways, one with sports and the other with comedies. He ended the article with a note that I remember to this day. He said, I can see it right now in heaven today where I am sure both men are. Tom Landry is holding the football right now for Charles Schultz to kick it right through the goalpost. Next, as we discuss a uniter, not a divider, one who does not necessarily live here in the United States, but who visits every year and is very aware of what goes on here. We will take a look into this guy's life and find out whose side we think he's on and why he's trying to unite us. Stay with us. Thirty years, our country has become less and less united. I point to the Bill Clinton impeachment as the impetus for this rolling tide that has turned into a tsunami of loss of our union. Boo! And we must stop this tidal wave and begin to push it back. If not, we're going to have an America that I do not know. It is certainly not one that I grew up with. No! One that included Walter Cronkite and our trust, all of us together, in listening to him deliver the news and believing it. Yeah! 
One that we all gathered around the TV and watched a lot of the same shows and talked about them together the next day. One that we all went to the same movie theaters and watched the same movies and talked about them the same day. Now, because of the internet, sorry, there's all this lies and hate and distrust and social media stirring everything up, including things that absolutely are not true. Yes. Fake news is beyond the point now. It's not even worth saying fake news. It's absolute lies. It's hoaxes. It's complete myths. There's myths of ancient Greece that (laughs) would be ridiculously silly compared to some of the stupid stuff that's shared on social media that people believe. So who can unite us? Who is someone who can step forward and bring us together? Well, in our Uniter Not Divider segment this week, I may have found someone who can actually do it. I can think of no one else other than the big guy. Straight from the North Pole, Santa Claus. Merry Christmas! First of all, let's talk about Santa. He tries to bring people together all the time, right? I know of no one better. (laughs) And the example that's displayed in the movie A Miracle on 34th Street is a great example where the government declares a man to be Santa. In this movie, Santa does not bicker or fight with people except for the mean man who has a lot of issues himself. And instead of looking in his heart at his own issues, Uh. he yells and screams at others and puts guilt complexes on other people for their problems. <laughs> Sound familiar? Look around you. Maybe look at yourself. Uh? He picks on other people, bringing them down. If this is you this Christmas, then you should apologize to your family and friends now and make a change. Find a new avenue for help. The holidays are a good time for healing. Yes! And then we get to the question about Santa. Is he red or blue? Is he Democrat or Republican? Is he progressive? Could he be (laughs) alt-right? No. Let's take a look at Santa, and let's find out more about him. Well, first of all, he is from the North Pole. He is married, but he doesn't have any children. (laughs) Except perhaps maybe hundreds of adopted elves. The fact that he's married and settled down means that he's not a radical progressive, because that's what they do. They don't marry and settle down. No. He wears red, which could be a sign that he leans left, that he's some kind of socialist or communist sympathizer. Mm -hmm. But perhaps it is a sign that he's a red state sympathizer. Oh. (laughs) He smokes a pipe, so he's not against the tobacco industry, and this could mean he leans right. Maybe he's a pure capitalist and believes in total capitalism. Perhaps he's just a happy smoker. (laughs) He smiles a lot, and he's always very happy. Now, I could argue this both ways. He spends a lot of time outdoors with animals, which means he could lean right. But he does not hunt the animals. He loves them. He names them. He makes pets and helpers out of them. He puts them in his sleigh, though, and drives them. So by loving them and helping them, I think that could mean he leans left. But then by putting them in his sleigh and driving them, that could mean he leans right. Obviously, he's not a full-on animal rights leftist, but he does love snowmen and elves who want different jobs. <laughs> and he's best friends with them. He shows kindness to all, in fact, no matter what you do or what kind of a person you are. Well, let's take that back. It's not no matter what you do, right? But it is a kind of person that you are, as long as you're doing the right thing towards others. He's very tolerant, right? So that could mean he leans left. He's very overweight and rather jolly, right? Which means he doesn't make judgments of himself. He's not a body judger, which could mean he leans left. (laughs) He does not body judge anyone, in fact. And he does not bully, which also could mean he leans left. But he makes a list every year of everyone in the world who's naughty and who's nice. 
And this means he does judge people based on a certain type of moral clarity, meaning he has a clear moral compass. Yes. This could mean he leans right, as he does not always tolerate every behavior he comes across. Yet he drinks milk and eats cookies filled with sugar. He must lean red then, because he gets that milk from cows, and the sugar will cause him to gain weight and be unhealthy, and he is happy about that. Yummy. However, he is kind and gives away much without asking for anything in return. This must mean he leans left. He is a bleeding heart. He just gives and gives and gives, right? He's not a capitalist pig. He doesn't just want to make money and live off of people. He's not greedy like the alt-right, so he's definitely not alt-right. I think we can rule them out at this point. Yes! But perhaps he leans right. Perhaps he is a right-leaning Christian. Not a right-wing radical, somebody screaming and hollering and cussing and yelling and doing all sorts of horrible things, but one who lives more saintly after his namesake. After all, his name is Saint Nicholas. Yes. He is giving the toys away, mostly to children, and he does give away gifts to adults, too. I got some last year. The way the wise men brought gifts to the baby Jesus. Perhaps he gives everything away because he wants to. He doesn't expect anything in return. Isn't this the way that we're supposed to do it? Yes! A 31 empirical studies done on the subject of giving to charity with 421 different effect sizes. Meta-analysis tells us that political conservatives are significantly more charitable than liberals at an overall level. Ah, so perhaps after all, Santa leans red. Perhaps that's why suit is red. <laughs> he has a Christian name. He gives out food, mostly candy though, <laughs> without asking for anything in return, the way many of the churches do. In the similar way Jesus distributed food to the poor and the needy. Perhaps that's why he decides who's naughty or nice, because after all, there is a moral line in this world that we should all follow. And our world would be better off if we all used it more often. And basically that moral line, I feel, is the kindness factor and the love factor. Do you show kindness and love towards one another? And if Santa leans red, perhaps our country has leaned a little too far to the left lately and needs a correction. It has corrected itself many times in history back and forth, just so you know. <laughs> our country has never leaned really far to the left or really far to the right, and frankly, it never should. Except in certain moments, there has always been a correction for the good of all. Let's take slavery. Slavery was way too far to the right. So the country corrected itself took a civil war, a horrible, bloody civil war where almost a million people lost their lives, but it corrected itself. The country leaned way too far to the right on this subject, and it took everything we had to change it. And then on a prohibition, again, the country leaned too far to the right and bloody gangs broke out criminals everywhere. People killed each other in an all-time high rate of crime. But we corrected it and we fixed it. We went too far to the left during the 50s and 60s with the labor unions and pulling in too much pay and too much money. And we had to correct that. And really some corrections were still happening only recently on that. But we had a serious correction from the left during the Carter years when the birds came home to roost on the left-wing economy, which was tanking at that point. And Reagan came to the rescue in the 80s with his economic policies that saved us from the left. And there's been other times where we have had to correct ourselves back and forth all throughout history. Perhaps it's time we correct ourselves another way. Perhaps our liberal universities like Harvard, the University of Penn, Rutgers, some others that have showed we have moved too far, too progressive and too over the edge. Perhaps it shows we need a correction, that we are too far to the left and need to move back closer to the middle. Maybe we need a little more Santa 
in this country this Christmas. We need to restore some moral clarity to our country. Yes! Give a little more help to others. Find a little more spirituality within ourselves. But we also need to be more kind, more tolerant. Yes! Not of every behavior, but of those who are different to us. Because we do live in a free country where there are people of different religions. Yes, even though we are primarily a Christian country and the 80% of us practice it in some sort of way, there are others who need to be free to practice theirs. And at some point, we need to allow people to live the way they want to live to a certain point, to a certain moral line. It's at this point, just like in the movie I alluded to earlier, where Santa brought Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble together... (laughs) Perhaps both sides need to be a little more tolerant towards each other, a little more giving towards each other, a little more understanding. And perhaps Santa could bring both sides together. You can't do anything you want. You shouldn't, (laughs) frankly. No! Otherwise, you're going to arrive on the naughty list. (laughs) You must be a little more tolerant and a kind. Why not step out of the way for somebody to walk down the sidewalk? Why not open the door? for somebody, regardless of who they are. Help them out. Why not help somebody get something off of a high shelf that they can't reach? Why not reach for something and help somebody pick something up that's heavy? Do something for others this Christmas that you normally wouldn't do. Why not pay for somebody's meal if you can afford to do so? And you see a family eating together and pay for their meal, help them out. You don't know what their situation is and maybe they really need your help. You don't know. We should be a little more like Santa. He gives to all, only judges the very naughty, and is kind to everyone, even the naughty. And frankly, let's leave the judging to God or Santa, because it is not our job to judge. It's someone else's job to judge. Remember the scripture says, judge not lest ye be judged accordingly. So let's get out of the business of judging ourselves. Yes! So why am I saying this? Treat people with kindness. Treat people with love. Give without expecting anything in return. Be more like Santa. Be more kind. Be more loving. And especially stop judging them yourself. This is very similar to the way I want to be treated with kindness. Don't you? It is not necessarily political but a moral decision. Do you really want to hate someone before you even get to know them? Look inside yourself for love, for kindness, for the ability to give to others without even the notion that you will get something back from them or anyone else for that matter. It will be only then that you will find true happiness. I don't care how much you get, money, things, Homes, jobs do not provide lasting happiness because all of it will go away. Your youth, all that beauty and coolness and cuteness and hotness that you have will be gone. And what are you going to have left when it is? You must find something else within yourself. Otherwise, you may find you have (laughs) nothing like Mr. Scrooge. Think about him. You have it in yourself now. You may find it's already there. You just need to awaken it. It is within all of us. And it has been there all along, waiting, hidden within you. Be kind. Do something for someone else this Christmas. Next, we discuss the subject of talking politics with your relatives during the holidays. Should you do this? We will discuss in a moment. On this cold December day, we are on our merry way. Riding along, just singing a song, barreling through the snow. Bells are jingling, snowflakes tingling, Rudolph knows where to go. This cold December day, I am piloting my sleigh. The work to be done on my Christmas run is the most tired chore. No 
boy without a toy. So giddy up, root of my dear. Ain't there a On words ever grown. Moving through the snow. Love politics. Have you thought about pushing a political opinion on your relatives during the holidays? Hey. <laughs> Here are some thoughts on the subject before you decide to do this. In this next segment, Birds of a Feather Stick Together, we talk politics at the dinner table during the holidays. You may not have birds of this feather sticking together if you talk politics. But we'll get into it. We'll look at some things that go with it. The two American political parties are uber unpopular. That's super unpopular for those of you who don't know the meaning of the word. <clears throat> they are liked by very few Americans. They become less and less popular, as we alluded to earlier. <gasps> the two main candidates for president, including the president himself, have very low approval ratings. Oh. With that being said, if you bring any of this up, <laughs> how are you going to find something that you can talk about that isn't disliked <laughs> and yet have a happy holiday? <laughs> some interesting facts. First... Independents are generally approved of and very well liked by both sides. Howdy. Second, if you ask questions instead of going on a rant, you generally will get more positive responses and favorable discussions with your relatives. So the way to do this is first, don't present yourself as the know-it-all politics guy or girl. Yes. In fact, what studies have found is that the people who think they know the most about politics really know the least. <laughs> <laughs> this is partly why I started this program. Yes! Secondly, instead of preaching, going on a rant, yelling at the top of your lungs when someone disagrees with you, just ask them questions. Talk it out. Find out more about the other person than you know about yourself. Find out what your relatives think before you talk. Yes. Everyone likes a listener a lot more than they like preachers. And no offense, pastors. I'm not speaking to you necessarily. Hey! But no one likes for them to be preached at <laughs> until they know what the subject's about or whether you know more than they do. I will tell you one interesting story. As an example, I'll throw myself under the bus. <laughs> I would love to be able to teach a class on political polling. I feel very confident about it. Um, if someone asked me to teach a class on auto mechanics, though, <laughs> uh -oh. even though I work for a company where I had to deal with cars every day and I know some things about it, this is not my full expertise. I didn't take classes on this. I would want someone else to do it and I would defer to them regardless of how much I know. I would rather listen to an expert. Yes! You may find by asking questions that someone else is a political party worker, has had a job in the government, has a degree in political science, knows something more than you do because of a certain task that they've completed. And I'll give you another example. <laughs> I'll throw myself under the bus again. I went off on politics on a guy once just because of something he said. And it made him sound as if he knew nothing about politics. <laughs> oh! And he proceeded to tell me after my rant that he was a political science major as well. <laughs> now, his degree came from a different school that I'm frankly not familiar with. And he seemed to be unsure of certain topics. But we get along a lot better now that we had more of a discussion. And I know him more, and he knows me more, and we discussed back and forth. And I understood his politics come from a matter of faith more than a matter of politics. And there again in lies the situation. Where do your politics come from? Mm. Where do your relatives' politics come from? You don't know unless you ask questions. <laughs> it may not really come from politics. It may not really come from the law or from their belief in a certain political candidate or whatever. It may come from their heart. What are you going to do with that? I mean, that's their opinion. That's not you, right? In order to learn, to be willing to learn from another person, we must be willing to open our minds and listen. 
we must literally put ourselves out there in another person's shoes. But there are moments when we must stand our ground, too. There are issues that we must take a stand on. Yes! Our own vice president was speaking at a Christmas party just recently when she was interrupted by someone from her own political party. She wanted the VP to call for a ceasefire in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Our vice president simply said that she was speaking and ignored the plea. We must make a definite stand in these cases. To call for the genocide of Jews, which is the stance of Hamas, is wrong. Yes! We must stamp out groups like that. Genocide is wrong, and anyone on that side is wrong. And I stand with our vice president for not agreeing with this person. Ah. If you have relatives who bring politics to the table that you don't want to talk about, (laughs) Psychology Today has some tips to survive this process. Our vice president just simply ignored it. That's one way that you can do it. But let's talk about some other possibilities. For one thing, know your limits and set a boundary. Yahoo! If someone goes past it, stop it like she did. End it before it gets too far. We don't want to get into name calling and fights. Secondly, be open-minded and say that both sides could be right. Don't let one side win. You get involved in that situation. Avoid words like you're always, you never, or you make me because that puts opinion or that puts you accusing somebody of something else. Politics isn't necessarily personal for some people. It might be for you, but it might not be for somebody else. No. Thirdly, balance self-respect with keeping up your relationship with that person. You can only take so much, but don't permanently destroy a relationship that is important to you over politics. No. It simply isn't worth it. And I can tell you that from experience. I have seen people simply destroy themselves over politics or destroy relationships with their relatives, their family, not even speak to each other ever again, all sorts of things over stupid politics. It is not worth it. That politician one day is going to die, go away, leave, leave office, you know, be gone. And what's the point then? You've destroyed your relationship over a person that isn't going to be there anymore. Fourthly, plan ahead for drama. Have a plan to walk away, take a deep breath, identify someone ahead of time who might bring a conversation that you want to avoid, and then just avoid that person (laughs) if necessary. Visualize yourself being in the moment. Visualize yourself trying to react to that person and try to figure out what you're going to do. Blow me down. If things get out of hand, it's the best policy to just leave the situation. But the better policy is to have a Merry Christmas with your family and keep politics completely out of it. It is better that it is to have fun and be more spiritual than political with the holidays. This world is far too political now. Way too political. We get into politics way too much. We need to get it out of our movies. We need to get it out of our TV shows. We need to get it out of our internet stuff that's just meant to be entertainment. Yes! (laughs) We need to get it out of our colleges as much as it is now. It's in everything in college, and it shouldn't be. We need to get less political and more spiritual, more family-oriented, more loving towards each other. Oh! And this would make our upcoming holiday break a great time for everyone. Next, the final part of our program today. Stay with us as we discuss a movie that many regard as one of the funniest of Christmas movies ever and a few Christmas jokes to make the season a little more merry for you. Stay with us.
Again, for joining us for this special Christmas edition of our program. Now, a Christmas movie that I love that does not just try to shove politics down my throat, but instead entertains me, enlightens me. Yes. And frankly, makes me laugh like crazy and tells me a little bit about the true meaning of Christmas. The movie we'll discuss this week in the movie that protects us from political correctness stars the hilarious Will Ferrell and a very funny cast (laughs) from the late, great James Caan and Mary Steenberg, Bob Newhart, who has a big part in this movie and is also the narrator. You betcha! And is very funny with his dry humor, of course. Includes Zoe Deschanel, Ed Asner, Valson Love, Peter Dinklage, Kyle Gass, Daniel Tay, and Artie Lang. The movie is Elf, of course. Sugar. And it is about a child who is raised by elves at the North Pole. But he decides he wants to find his biological father and doesn't know him at all. But discovers he is in desperate need of some Christmas spirit and wants to try to help him with that. The spirit of this movie is mainly comical and adds to the true spirit of Christmas with a lot of fun, frivolity, laughs, and a lot of elves, too, and a lot about the lives of elves, what it is like living at the North Pole, where there are a lot of animals and snowmen that live there, and it adds to the joy of your Christmas season. But it's also about family. It's not about your perfect American family, but about a father who is older, and it's about work, and it's about a family who is overall a little bit dysfunctional. This movie is perfectly directed by John Favreau, and it shows just what Christmas spirit is all about. And it's not about being perfect, but about achieving what is impossible. It's about imperfect people coming together to help each other, which is what Christmas is all about in the end. There is no hint of political correctness in this movie that I pick up on. In fact, I would say it is just silly and funny and perfect for the holidays instead of people taking themselves too seriously and finding a way to muck up your world with more reminders about how screwed up the rest of the world really is. Instead, it's a movie about family and friends and loving the Christmas spirit. In fact, there's even a point in the movie where you find out what Christmas cheer and spreading it is all about. And I'll leave that for you watching the movie to find that out. And if this movie doesn't make your Christmas a little bit better, I don't know what will. (laughs) But I guarantee you it will add to the joy of your Christmas season. And now for our last part of the 
show today, an inspiring quote or one big fat political joke, we're going to go with several big fat political jokes, or I don't know how big fat they are. They're more corny today, but we're going to go with the first one. Which former president decorated the most Christmas trees? Give up? It's Woodrow Wilson, of course. And why does President Joe Biden insist on having his Christmas dinner on paper plates? You want to know why? Because he doesn't handle China very well. And do you know why Congress is so much like ancient Bethlehem? Well, because it is so difficult to find three wise men there, just like ancient Bethlehem, of course. (laughs) And for your last one, why did Ronald Reagan insist upon having no Christmas tree at the White House? Well, of course, because all he needed was a bush. And there you have it today, folks. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, all the holidays. Best wishes to you. And there it is. Please reach out to us on Facebook, where you can make a comment on whatever platform you are listening on. Tell us you love us or Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, or stick it in our ear. We don't care. But we would love your feedback. Please follow this program on the platform you find it. Just click the button. You can now catch our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Listen Notes. That's new. As well as Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Boomplay, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and Podchaser. Just find your favorite platform. Next week, we will look at an American hero that almost never made it there. He survived an assassin's bullet. He survived a nightmare military raid, and yet he went on to not only be a great American hero, but is recognized around the world as well. Find out who this great American hero is and find out why we are recognizing him next week in particular. And find out how his story is tied into the Christmas season in particular. Some real interesting stuff, folks, so be with us next week for that. And thank you again for joining us today. And join us again next week for another entertaining look into the world of politics. Christmas.